Welcome to the e-commerce society podcast, where you can learn how to start, grow, scale, or launch your dream e-commerce and product-based business, all without ever relying on ads or social media. Each week you will hear step-by-step tangible and fluff-free strategies to help you skyrocket your sales and traffic, gain more visibility for your business, and create those mega loyal customer super fans, which you totally need. Hi, I'm Carrie Fitzgerald, your cheerleader and hype girl. Went from corporate marketing in the education space to building, scaling, and selling my own product-based business. And today, my work and mission is to help founders just like you create and scale the world's most magnetic brands and turn them into fucking empires. So whether you're thinking of starting a product biz or scaling yours, this podcast is the secret sauce to making all those dreams come true. So grab a coffee or grab a champagne and let's dive into it. What's going on, my friends? Welcome to this week's episode of the E-Commerce Society podcast. I'm pretty excited right now because do you want to know why I am wearing my new e-commerce society logo hat and hoodie? And I think I might sell both of these because I'm kind of obsessed at, at how they came out. The hat and the hoodie, not the crew neck, because the crew neck, I did not like the quality. And when you sell apparel, t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, quality matters. If you are a print-on-demand store and you're shipping out really bullshit, shitty Gildan sweatshirts to people and they're not coming back and buying from you the second time, now you know why. I'm telling you why. Because Gildan sweatshirts are awful quality. I'm sorry, Gildan. I love you, but I'm sorry. Anyway, so yeah, I'm a little obsessed with how they turned out. I literally ordered one hat and two sweatshirts and I'm wearing the black hoodie one and it's perfection. It's super soft. It's like thin, but not like crappy quality thin. It's really, really good. So anyway, now that I have given you the entire rundown on my clothing, I want to dive into this week's episode. This is Also, just a fun fact, I almost never record the podcast at night. Nighttime is usually when my energy is very low, but I just felt like I had written out an idea for this episode about a week ago, and I'm like, you know what? Let's let's record. I'm in the mood. I have a glass of wine. I have a nice Cabernet, and I'm like, you know what? Let's talk about cult brands. Let's dive into it. So... We're going to talk about eight ways a small business can create a cult brand in 2024 and beyond without a massive following or a huge social account. Because as I've been thinking a little bit more about what makes a cult like brand, you generally jump to like the big people, you jump to like the Apples and the Teslas and the Pelotons, but like, what about the small people? And while we're not really going to dive into how long it took a bigger brand to reach a cult-like status, I think it's important that if you have, you know, an Etsy store or you just have a smaller business, you don't feel like this is not something that you should be trying to get. You know what I mean? Because it's so far out of reach. So let's just dive into like eight normal things that you can do to reach a cult-like following. Okay, number one. And possibly the most important one, I talk about this all the freaking time, but let's repeat it, Susan, in case you didn't hear me the first time, (laughs) humanize your brand, humanize. And what that means is you have to be different than Amazon. Amazon is cheaper shipping than you. It's faster shipping than you, and they make it easier to buy any product that you could ever want. Like, oh, I need dry shampoo. Okay, cool. Let me go to Amazon, type in dry shampoo, go through a couple listings, find one that looks fine, click, click, click. It's already on the way to my house. So you don't have to compete with Amazon. And I'm just going to say that even though I know you're going to think, yes, I do because everyone buys from Amazon. There's plenty of people who maybe buy from Amazon, but they also buy from regular stores too, myself included. Fun fact, I have not bought a single holiday gift from Amazon. I did buy face wash for myself on Black Friday. I don't even think it was on sale. It just so happened I was like shopping on Black Friday and I'm like, I really need this specific face wash and I just bought it from Amazon. So I have didn't I have not bought a single holiday gift from Amazon for other people. So I just want to say not everyone 
always shops at Amazon all the time. Okay. But one thing that you can do that's really important is you can make yourself different from Amazon. And what is Amazon shopping experience like? You go to the, you go to the app, you open up your phone, you type in a type of product that you're looking for. Generally, you're not going to type in a brand. You're just going to type in a product. So dry shampoo, stainless steel water bottles, I don't know, a book or something. And then it's going to give you a bunch of random brands that you probably don't care of. So most people, when they go to Amazon, they're not looking for brand specific things. With that said, it doesn't mean that you won't look up brand specific, but people just want something possibly if they need it in a time crunch, one to two days, or, you know, they want it Amazon prime and they're going to look at possibly like the lowest price and then possibly the lower price slash what has good reviews and they're going to buy something. They don't really care about the brand. So the benefit for you with your own e-commerce website is that you can humanize your brand. You can show a face. You can say, Hey, this product was made by Susan and I handcrafted these candles just for you. Here's my story. I grew up in Texas and because of X, Y, and Z, I decided to start a candle business. So when you humanize it, you create a connection. And when you create a connection, it builds trust. And when you build trust, people will buy from you, period. So it's really, really, really important that you do not have a website that has no trace of humanization whatsoever. The amount of websites that I go to where I'm like, I have no idea who the fuck is selling this product. It could be like this creepy old guy. And I would know because there's no humans here. There's no faces. There's no about us page. There's no nothing. It's like a blah vanilla page with no humanization. And if you want to stand out against competitors and Amazon, you have to humanize your stuff. Okay. Not just on your website, but we're going to focus for this example on your website only. Okay. Okay. Number two know what your secret sauce is and fucking live it and breathe it. <laughs> so that one's a little harsh, but you know, I love you. So when I say know what your secret sauce is, the really like the simplified way to explain that is what makes you, your brand or your product unique, special, or different. What do you do that's different than other people? You know, what do you do that makes you, that would make someone want to buy from you? So every, every brand should have some kind of a secret sauce. So if you're a product-based business and you sell, I keep coming back to candles because there's a lot of candle people uh, in my programs. Uh, let's think of a different example here. I'm trying to think, I'm like looking around my office at what do I have in my office that I could use as an example? And all I see are candles and there's like 700 water bottles on my desk and a picture frame. There's like no examples. Okay. I have one. So let's say you are a beauty company and you sell lip balm or something. I have a summer Fridays lip butter balm on my desk. So I'm going to use this as an example. So again, let's just pretend it's not actually summer Friday. It's just like some random brand. So let's say this specific brand here, they have a type of lip butter balm that maybe there's like a special ingredient that not only hydrates your lips, but it's like not, it's like a nice scent or a nice flavor, or maybe it like lasts for six hours or something. Like you should have something that makes you unique or special. You know, um, I would say for my business, the Dapper Dog Box, that was the business I founded in 2016. I would say for that business, my secret sauce, let me think for a sec. And I should know this because this was my business, but I, I sold the business uh, about four years ago. And I don't think about it often that much anymore. So I sometimes have to think of like, what was I, what was I thinking then? What was I doing? I don't even know if I knew my secret sauce then, to be honest with you. I think my secret sauce, I think there was a couple things. One, and I'm going to talk about this as an example in a minute, but I created products that were super, super, super fun and curated. So I had a subscription box business and I also sold one time like dog bandanas, dog toys, etc. on in my e-commerce store and I manufactured dog bandanas. But what I did was I think one of the secret sauces for that business was 
I created products that were really, really visually appealing. And I guess this isn't going to be super surprising. If you know me, you know how much I care about like the aesthetics, the packaging, the visuals, what's going to stop the scroll on social media. So when someone is scrolling through 700 dog bandanas, what's going to make yours stand out? So I really honed in on like the visuals and the aesthetics. And I used trendy things when I created my bandanas. So whether it was the bandanas or the dog boxes, the dog boxes always had a monthly theme and they were always really fun, curated, visually appealing, trendy. So for example, there was one month that I did, what was it called? It was like a Georgia peach theme. And I literally had a peach dog toy made of nylon. It was beautiful. So it was like this thick material, like really high quality uh, dog toy. I had a peach dog toy cookie created. I had a, I basically had someone design a peach watercolor uh, art. And then I turned that into a bandana. So it was like these custom beautiful peach dog bandanas. And then um, I forget what else we put in there. There was like, oh, there was some dog treat company from Atlanta, like a dog biscuit or something. Um, And then we did something else. So the point is, is that when you got the box, you would open it up and there'd be a really beautiful postcard inside or like an insert. And it would have um, a peach on it and it would say the theme and it would highlight one or two products. And then you would open up underneath the the card and there was all these beautiful products curated. So when someone opened that box up and they took a photo on social and they posted it on social media, that photo is going to stop the scroll because not only was the insides of the box really cute and fun and definitely geared towards like the Instagram dog mom. So very trendy. They probably had a golden doodle, et cetera. Um, when they post it on social media, their dog friends are going to be like, oh my gosh, where did you get that box? I need one too. So the packaging was on point. The curation of the products was on point. And I think that was one of my secret sauces because you might think, oh, that's not really that special. But when you, when back when I had that business, all of my competitors didn't do that. There was no one who did accessories. So I was the only one that looked at the market of like, what's, what's everyone doing right now? And what can I bring in to make my product different and unique? And the dog bandanas was that unique differentiator. But then, you know, that wasn't, is that enough? I mean, at the time, yes, it was because there wasn't any other people doing that. But then it was also this whole thing of like the curation. I curated the box for like a specific type of customer where my competitors didn't do that. They all had like these, like BarkBox definitely made fun things, but they weren't necessarily like always trendy and they were, okay. They were trendy, but I also did really high quality things. So it wasn't just trendy. It was like high end, like everything had a luxe, luxury, high end feel to it. And so that was kind of one of my secret sauces. I'm not going to go into like all the things that I did, but that was what made my brand like different, special or unique. And I honed in on the dog bandanas after doing market research, after talking to my customers, after installing a, like a website tracker, a a heat map tracker. So it's called hotjar.com and looking at where are people going on my website? Where are they clicking? Which call to action buttons are they hovering or clicking on? Um, and really just like watching people on the website, where are they scrolling? Like Hotjar, if you don't have it, is an incredible tool. And it gives you so much user information about people on your website. So using all this information, I realized that the reason, one of the reasons that people would buy my product was the bandanas. They love getting a new bandana every month and not just like a shitty one. These were 100% unique. I had the design created every month. And I worked with a really awesome and talented uh, designer. And so this was not only a really fun design, but it was 100% unique. And because of that, people loved it and they kept coming back to my business. So you have to kind of understand like, what's your secret sauce? Another way to think about it is one question. Why do people buy your product? Why you versus all your competitors? If you don't know that, you need to find that information out. Okay. And then when you know your secret sauce, I wrote, I'm, I, I don't script this or anything. I just have a couple bullets here. So know your secret sauce and fucking live and breathe it. So when I say that, I just mean 
know what makes you special, unique, et cetera, why people love you. And then talk about it all the time. Talk about it on social media. Talk about it in your Instagram. Talk about it in your videos. Highlight it on your website. Talk about it everywhere. The more you talk about that, the more people are like, oh yeah, that brand that does this. And they remember you. Okay, number three, we're getting through this list. So again, all these things too, these are all pieces of the puzzle. And when you get all of them together, you're going to have, you're going to, you're going to get people to like your, your business. You're going to get people that are obsessed with your business. Okay. So just doing one of these things might not make a huge difference, but these are things that I really just sat down and thought, okay, what are the things that so many people aren't doing? And what are the things that actually make someone obsessed with the brand? And it's not always oh, they have a million followers on TikTok. It's actually value-based and packaging. And like, again, knowing that like humanization piece, they're all so, so, so important. Okay. So the third way that you can create a cult brand in 2024 as a small business without a massive following or huge social account is your story. So I wrote curate your story and share it. So when I say curate, and I've, I had an episode um I don't know, I think maybe in August or September where I talked about something. I can't remember. I don't remember which episode, but I talk about your story and this notion of curating it. When I say the word curate, I do not mean fabricate. I just mean think about your business. Why did you start it? What was happening in your life? What made you want to take the like no one wakes up every one day and says, I'm gonna start a business today for no reason. Something caused you to want to start it. And a lot of times people start businesses based off a problem that they have and they create a solution for it with their product. But everyone's different. Everyone has their own story. You need to come up with your own and you need to like make it fun, make it a memorable thing. So when someone reads it, they're like, oh my God, that is so cool. Or like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I, I love that you took this and you turned it into this thing, you know? This is something that I believe is one of the most important things. If you have a product-based business, you have to have a story, you know, and it doesn't have to be this whole, oh, I started my, I started with a $200 Craigslist camera and now I'm a multimillionaire and I only work one hour a week. It doesn't have to be that kind of rags to riches story. It can be anything as long as it's real. Don't make something up. And again, I know I said this before because I'm getting major deja vu, but you do not have to have like a rags to riches story. I only had $200 in my bank account and I was going to be homeless and I decided to start a business. Like you don't have to have that dramatic of a story for it to be interesting or special or unique or that kind of thing. So don't feel like, because I know the first objection I get from people when I say, what's like, what is your story? You have to talk about it. You have to share it. It has to be on your website. So again, when I talk about the humanization, your story should be on there. It doesn't have to be like, I was homeless and a drug addict and I decided to start a candle business. Like it doesn't have to be, you don't have to share your whole personal life. And I hope that's not your story. <laughs> like that's a bad example. You know what I mean though? Like it doesn't have to be anything crazy. But I would just write down a couple of notes. Where was I? And what was that? Like, why did I want to start a business? Was I creating a solution to a problem I was having or my child was having? Like, for example, um, Simply Jess Skincare. Jess has been on my podcast twice. And she talked in one of her episodes that she was on, she talked about the reason that she started her skincare business. She was an esthetician by, you know, trade. She uh I think she worked for, I don't know who she worked for, or Kate Somerville. She also was a trainer and she would go to like Four Seasons Hotel in Maui, like the best of the best of the best famous places in the world and train estheticians on like, how do they create these amazing things for customers? And so I forget like when this happened to her, but her, I think her son had eczema or something like that, or an allergy or something. And I think she was making her own skincare and Something along the lines of, well, if, if I'm making this for him, like I might, other people could have this problem too. So she took a problem that she had in her life and created a product and then decided to start the brand. So your story doesn't have to be anything crazy. It just has to be real. It has to be an authentic thing, you know, but everybody has a story and nobody's story is boring. And I just want to remind you one more time. It doesn't have to be the whole like 
I was homeless and I only had $20 in my bank account and I decided to start a hair scrunchie business. It doesn't have to be dramatic to be appealing to your customers or your audience, you know, just it, it should just be real. But a couple prompts would be, what were you doing when you decided to start the business? Were you creating a solution to a problem that you were having or someone that you know is having that kind of thing? Yeah. Like what was going on in your life? Were you going through a transition? And then you just talk about a story, talk like write it out and you turn it into a little story. I started the business because X, Y, and Z, this is what was happening in my life. And it inspired me to start a business or something like that. You know, people remember those stories. And when someone is on your website and then, you know, they go and click on your about page, which is the second most highest clicked page on an e-commerce website, by the way, people care who the person is that is selling. And basically what you want to do is, yeah, you just want to write out the story and then you want to share that on your website. You want to share it on social media. You want to have on your Instagram, you should probably have a highlight that says my story or our story or something. And again, you don't have to like I get a lot, a lot of objections with the story piece, even though I literally think it is one of the most important things that you need to be doing. If you are an e-commerce business, if you are wanting to get customers, if you want people to buy from you and, and trust you, you have to show some humanization here. And the easiest way to do that is your story, but you have to also share it as well, you know? And this is something that we, um, it's a new part of Cultish Product. So Cultish Product, uh, I don't want to say 2.0, but kind of, we are rolling it out uh, as you're listening to this right now. It's probably already available for you to sign up for, for our January 2024 cohort, but we've added in a new piece of the program. And that is this concept of cult brand, the foundations of what makes a cult like brand. And one of the foundational pieces is your story. I think, you know, like I was reflecting on the past year of having this program and people inside the program. And I spoke at Ultimate Product Party in Nashville in May. And I talked about how to create a cult like brand. And I talked about this notion of your story, creating a, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, creating a, a value based or a purposeful mission besides your business that's outside of your product. And I love talking about this because I think it's something that isn't really talked about very much. I think everyone talks about like how to grow your Instagram or like how to grow with email marketing. But in fact, when you actually come down to it, how do you actually get people to buy from you? And it's not always enough with the Instagram or the social media or all that or that or all that shit. Sometimes it literally comes down to you have a cool story or your business stands for something more than just a product. And someone realizes that or discovers that. And then they instantly have an emotional connection with you and they want to buy your product. So I think you have to have both. I think you have to have the marketing, you have to have the sales channels and you have to have something more, the story, the humanization, having a, a value or, or purposeful mission with your business, I think is also equally important. So I've decided to add that portion into the Cultish Product Program, and I'm really, really excited about it. Um, I think it's something that no one talks about, and it's I think is actually the secret sauce of building a cult-like e-commerce brand, 100%. It is like the story equally as important as the other stuff. If you don't have a story, if you don't, if you're just like, oh, I just decided to start like a, a bracelet business. That's all. Like, why would someone want to buy from you? It should be something more, you know, like I started this jewelry business and I'm thinking of Krista Knickerbocker jewelry. She's amazing. She was in one of my um, website design programs this year, but she has this amazing jewelry. I don't have her necklace on right now, but she has this amazing jewelry. She's like a by trade trained architect. And she literally has like, I don't know what they're called, but like these machines in her house where she's welding jewelry or something. Again, I'm probably using the wrong word here, but she like makes things in her house with all these crazy equipment. And when I, when she came into the, to one of my programs, I'm like, okay, we need a video of you like making your stuff. Because when someone sees that, it becomes clear that this is not some bullshit that you're ordering from overseas. You're actually making this in-house and your story, like trained architect, you have family, um, 
I believe you also have a dog. <laughs> I forget. Um, all these things like contribute to someone seeing that and being like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. Like this is totally someone I want to buy from. You know what I mean? So you have to have all the pieces there. And I forget what I was even talking about, to be honest with you. I was talking about something else, but the point here is that you have to have a brand that stands for something more than, than just like the marketing or sales. And I literally was going somewhere with that. I swear to God, sometimes I talk and I'm like, wait, what was they talking about? I go on tangents. I think I was talking about like when someone discovers you or, you know, he, and then hears a story and um, sort of sees that you're about something more than the product. Like they're going to be one of they're going to more likely want to buy from you. Okay, let's move on to the next one because I'm totally rambling here. So the next, and I kind of just covered this a little bit, is values. So what does your brand stand for outside of your product? So I can give an example here. When I was at UPP again in Nashville, I was talking about how to create a cult like brand. And I gave, I talked, I gave an example of Kodiak cake. So Kodiak cakes is a protein pancake mix or whatever. I forget exactly what it's called, but it's like higher quality pancake mix, but it's like protein based. And, you know, I had bought them from Costco or from the grocery store for off and on, I would say for a few years since living in the West coast, I never knew the brand until I moved to Seattle, but they're, they're in all the grocery stores here. And I bought them and I never thought twice. I never thought twice about them. And then one day I pulled out the box from my shelf in the house. And I was like, Kodiak cakes. I was like, I, you know, like, I wonder what their story is. Like, what's their deal? Who are they? And I go to the box and I forget what the box says off the top of my head. I don't have it in front of me, but it said something like, here's the website or something. So I go to the website and I learn about their story of the brand. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Like it's, um, I think they're based out of, I want to say Utah, but of course they have a bear logo. And Kodiak is, if you don't know this, Fun fact, Kodiak is a type of brown bear and Kodiak Island is in Alaska and they are home of the Kodiak brown bear who are beautiful and I would love to go to Kodiak Island someday, maybe next year. Uh, anyway, but so I'm going through the website and what what got me instantly was not, 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 not necessarily their story. I thought their story was really cool. Um, I thought their mission of the business was cool, but what got me is they, there's a page on there where it's all about bears at this in particular moment, it was polar bears. And they basically talk about how one of their missions of the business is to like help, um, not nature preserve. I'm literally thinking of, this is why I don't do podcasting at night. Cause my brain is mushy and I can't think of any details. So, you know what, let me just open the damn website. I'm like mum fumbling around with what I'm even talking about. So let's just open up the website really quick and let's look at their, let's look at their mission page. Okay. Give me a sec guys. I know I'm being a little extra right now, but now that I'm here, I'm like, let's just, let's just go through it. Let's go through the goddamn page because I am not explaining it in the way that is like that they, they need to be doing. Okay. Oh my gosh. I love it. I'm on the website. I already see a beautiful bear and it just makes my heart fucking happy. Okay. So their mission is to inspire healthier eating and active living with nourishment for today's frontier. So again, everything is like frontier on the wild. Like long ago, a hearty meal was the mainstay of the frontier folk from the frigid Yukon to the high Sierra. These rugged explorers relied on real food with a rich source of carbohydrates, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Kodiak Cakes is meant for those of us who, like the rugged old pioneers exploring the untamed wilderness, require nutrition, energy, and great taste to successfully navigate today's frontier. So I just thought that was so cool. And I thought like, wow, that's so well written and just amazing. And then there's this whole thing like whole grains taste better, powered by protein, fuel for conquering your frontier. So I love that. Like basically food for doing cool fucking shit in your life. So I fucking love that. But what got me, and again, everyone is different. Everyone is going to be, everyone's connection to a brand is going to be different based on what they like, based on their personal experiences, based on what they care about. Okay. This is a really, really important point. So when I'm on Kodiak's website, 
then I, I'm like, okay, great. They have a cool story. They have an awesome mission. I love it. Like, this is a cool brand. But what fucking gets me and what turns me from like, I kind of don't care about this brand that much to like, oh my God, I'm a super fan for life. I'm obsessed instantly, instant emotional connection immediately was they have a page called conservation and it says Kodiak conservation going beyond breakfast, partnering with organizations to preserve wild places. And it's this beautiful page. And there's all these pictures of bears. There's polar bears. There's grizzly, beautiful bears. There's like little bear prints. And it says, why the bear? Ever wonder where we got the name Kodiak? And why do we have a bear on the box? And what's that got to do with conservation? Funny story. And then they basically tell a story. And it says, Kodiak's origin sparks our mission. And it says, we wanted to capture the feeling of living active, daring, adventurous lives when eating a hearty breakfast. And putting a bear in the box made it feel that way. Later, we discover that bears are an indicator of a healthy, vibrant ecosystem with plenty of food to forage and space to wander. And that concept really hit home because to us, a pantry stocked full of real nourishing food signals a healthy, active lifestyle. And then they basically just have all these things on the website here where they partner with these companies to help bears. So there's one that's called um, Katmai Conservatory. Katmai is an area in Alaska. There is another one that, where is it? It's not here right now, but it's basically something with polar bears. Let me see. I'm kind of, I'm trying to like scroll through as the website's moving around, but essentially like they donate to different bear organizations. And as someone who, as you probably know, if you've listened to my podcast, you know, I love bears more than I could ever explain to you. And so the second that I hear that this company you know, donates money and does things to basically spread awareness for bears, like done. I instantly went from, I don't care about this company that much to, oh my gosh, I love them. And I will now support them forever. Like I will buy from them forever now because of their conservation initiative. Okay. They, the product is more than just a product. I'm sorry. The brand is more than just a product. They have all these cool initiatives that they do. So again, like sometimes these things are going to be dependent on your audience and what they care about. But if, if your audience cares about something that you're doing, they're going to like you so much more. They're going to want to buy from you. And I want you just to take a moment and think of a time when you maybe like we're interested in a company or maybe interested in a product, but like, you're like, Oh, I don't know. It's kind of expensive. Why would I spend this much money in this product? And then you find something out about them. They donate to a charity or they partner with organizations that save the children or something, or, you know, I don't know, something, something that goes beyond just selling a physical product. And then instantly in that moment, you were like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's a no brainer now. It's, it's because of that, they go like the extra mile. They're not just standing for a physical product. They're doing something to make the world better. They're doing something to help people, help, help animals, help kids, whatever. So I will always encourage people to have some kind of a, like a donation or a charity thing that you can kind of donate money to. So when someone purchases, they feel like better about the purchase because they're not only getting a product, they're helping something else or they're helping someone else. And so I think it's a really important thing. I did that with my business, the Dapper Dog Box. We donated a portion of sales to um, pet rescues. And every month I chose a different dog rescue in the US in Puerto Rico. And I would donate money to them. And I loved it. That was one of my favorite parts of that business. And I know for sure that that was also a reason why people would support me. I, cause I would get, I would ask for feedback all the time. Why did you choose me over all of my competitors? And I was the most expensive one. And some people would say the quality customer service. We love the bandanas, but a lot of people would say, we love that you donate to Pitbull rescues and we love that you donate to this rescue or whatever. So don't, don't like discounts. Um, 
having a value-based company or not even like necessarily a value-based company, but having a company where your product, your brand stands for more than just the product. You know, it's such an important thing. And like, I hope that Kodiak example stays with you because I'm not joking. It, it was an instant like shot to my heart where I was like, oh my gosh, I love Kodiak cakes now. I love them. And five minutes before I kind of like didn't really care. You know, sometimes a story won't move you or it won't move your customer. But then when that there's that one other thing, and I'm thinking of another brand right now too, the good kind, um, my friend Courtney, who owns the good kind, it's a, and I've talked about her on the podcast. She's actually been in the podcast as well, but I, I bought one of her lunch boxes for my son and I'm obsessed like the packaging, the inserts, um, the actual product perfection. So I'm a huge fan of hers and also Courtney, the, the founder, but her company, you know, for every lunchbox that's purchased, they donate meals to children at schools who need, who like, I forget what, what exactly school she donates to. But the point here is that you feel better about your purchase knowing that, wow, I just, because I bought her lunchbox, I just donated 10 meals to kids or something like 10 lunches to kids. So that's a really important thing. And I think that's going to become more important as the e-commerce space gets more crowded and people have more purchasing options. People always support the ones who give back or donate or have like this bigger meaning to them. So I would highly encourage you to think of that and think of how you could add some kind of like a charity or donation angle to your business. And again, this is something that we are going to cover in the next round of Cultish Products. So cannot wait. And if you're interested in the program, you can go to carryfitstyle.com forward slash cultish and you can learn more. Okay, so we've covered humanizing your business. We've talked, we've covered your secret sauce. We have covered um, your story. And then lastly, we've just covered the value and having a brand that goes beyond a physical product. Okay. Number five, the visual appeal. So again, just as a summary, eight ways a small business can create a cult-like brand in 2024 and beyond without a massive following. So your packaging, your visual appeal. So your branding, I think is important, like the visual branding, your colors and this and that, but let's, let's go deeper here. Packaging. Packaging is ridiculously important. Okay. Anyone that says packaging is not important. They are a liar. Okay, Susan, I'm calling you out. You're a liar. Packaging, I think, is one of the most important things. I talk about packaging a lot. I literally will be in a grocery store and I will find a product on the shelf and I'm like, holy shit, that's beautiful fucking packaging. Like, I think of packaging as like a work of art. I I have like visceral, visceral reactions sometimes with packaging because I'm just like, it's so beautiful. Like, how? How do you create something so beautiful? And then on the flip end, how do some companies not give a fuck about their packaging? I don't understand. So packaging is super, super, super important. If you want to stand out, if you want to stand out against all your boring competitors, packaging, packaging matters and packaging that could be the casing of your product. It could be your candle label. It can be like the exterior packaging. Anything with the product is your packaging, the interior, the exterior, and that kind of thing. You have to make it so your stuff stands out. When I had my business, again, the Dapper Dog Box, I'm going to use my business as all, all these examples here. Everyone, everyone, like all my competitors had pretty boring packaging. It was like Bark Box was like this ugly brown box with like a logo, ugly. Um, a lot of them were very masculine looking, just like not, not good. It was not good packaging. So again, I come on the scene and I'm like, okay, I'm going to sell the most expensive dog subscription box in a very crowded space, like so much competition. I'm going to charge the most amount of money, but guess what? I'm going to create awesome fucking packaging. It's going to be beautiful and it's going to make my stuff stand out. So when someone is scrolling through social media or they're scrolling through a blog post of the top 10 dog subscription boxes guess which one's going to stand out? Mine. It was this beautiful lavender purple. I had a beautiful little logo that cost me 20 bucks from Fiverr. <laughs> it, the logo was of my dog, Asha. Um, 
But, and then I up-leveled my packaging after a year into my business. And I created this like gorgeous packaging that would really stop the damn scroll. So packaging is really an important way to make yourself stand out against all your competitors. So packaging is a hundred percent. One of the, I would say, arguably one of the most important things that when you are starting a business or you're trying to scale it, or you're trying to like really attract customers, I would highly recommend it's a good investment to level up your packaging. I can't tell you how much business I got with Dapper Dog Box after I redid my packaging. And I share the full story of my packaging and how I created my packaging for social media in my book, Customer Obsession. I have an entire chapter on packaging and like what I did to make my packaging so unique and so incredible. And it's definitely one of the I would say of that whole business, my pack, the packaging of the box was one of the prouder, proudest things that I did for that business. I spent months creating this like showstopper. It wasn't something I just slapped a logo on and I was like, eh, packaging doesn't matter. I knew that it mattered and I still think it matters. And if I ever started another product-based business, day one, I would invest in packaging. So even if, even if it's not the most expensive like designer or you know, you can, you can go to 99 designs and you could probably spend 500 bucks and you could have someone design packaging for you. And it's totally worth it. I firmly believe as we move into this space of just crowdedness, too many stores, too many people selling things, what do you need to do to make yourself different or memorable? And what do you need to do to create an incredible unboxing experience for customers? I think it's one of the most underrated things, but customer experience matters and packaging is how you do that. So again, another thing that we cover in the cultish product is your packaging. How do you create an incredible scroll stopping, amazing experience for your customers? Okay. The sixth thing that you can do to create a cult-like brand with a small audience or a small business is, and this one is like, I don't know. I debated on keeping this one in here, but I was like, I'll just keep it in. Cause I think it's an important point. Encouraging customers to come back. So I order from a lot of stores. I'm always ordering from people in my programs, my cultish product program. I order something from everyone in that, in that store. I'm sorry, everyone in the program. And I actually go through and do an audit of their, the whole journey. So when someone goes to the website, when they check out, when they um, get the like order updates, the shipping updates, when the product comes in the mail, the packaging, I go through your entire process and I audit it for you. And I tell you all the things that could be improved and we come up with ideas. And that's one of my favorite parts of the program because I love helping people with customer experience and packaging and all that. But one thing that I I realized from not only having that program, but just having all my other programs and working with like hundreds of students and clients over the last few years is most of you aren't actually asking customers to come and buy from you again. You are always hyper-focused on getting new customers, but not necessarily on getting your past customers to come back to you. So a cult-like brand is someone who you have to have a connection with your customers. You know, you have to, you have to make them feel special. You have to make them feel connected to your brand. And one way to, to do that is like, you have to get them to buy, buy from you over and over again. So the easiest way to do this is there's multiple ways, but email marketing, email campaigns, your post-purchase flows, um, you know, encouraging our customers, once they get the product in the mail to post on social media. So then you can, you know, send them a DM and be like, thank you so much. We're so grateful for you. Here's a coupon for another purchase. Like be sure to tell a friend you have a customer loyalty program. So there's so many ways to get customers to come back, but I'm realizing that a lot of you aren't always doing that. And so I just wanted to put that in here because I think it's a really, really, really important point. And I'm not going to go into too much detail on how to do that, but It's a really, really important one. Okay, number seven on the list is creating a sense of community. So this is a really important one. A cult-like brand likely has a sense of community of some kind. So 
when you have a cult like brand, people are obsessed with your product, obsessed with the brand, and they want to like spread your seed around. They want to tell their friends, they want to post about you on social media. Um, so if you can foster some kind of a sense of community, that could be on Instagram or, or TikTok, or it could be a Facebook group. It could kind of be any of those things. There's quite a few things that you can do. I know for my business, the Dapper Dog Box, I had a really loyal community on Instagram. I built up my Instagram to 42 or I don't know, 41 or 42,000 followers. And I encouraged my people to share products of, I'm sorry, share pictures of the product when they got the box in the mail. Share like, what did you like most about the box? We had monthly photo contests. I was always, if someone tagged the business, I would comment, I would respond, I would share my stories. I would DM them. Thank you so much for buying. Like, we're so freaking grateful for you. I would make customers feel special all the time. From day one, customers were number one. And I wanted them to feel connected to the brand. And you, people aren't going to feel connected to your brand if you're ignoring them. They're not going to feel connected to your brand if they take the time to take a picture of your product or, or they take a video of them putting, you know, your beauty bomb, beauty lip balm. <laughs> I'm always trying to think of an example of a product and I never can. I'm always like picture frames, water bottles, or candles. Cause they're always sitting on my desk. And so that's the first one that comes to mind, but someone takes the time, they get your product in the mail. And they're like, Oh my God, I love this. It's so fun. They're going to take the time to do a little video of them, like putting their little lip liner on like Haley Bieber with road. Those videos are so annoying by the way. I can't stand them. Um, putting a little lip liner on and then lining it in and then putting the lip balm da, 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 and then they're going to tag you. And then what do you do? Nothing. <laughs> you don't, you don't respond to them. You don't have a DM. That's like, you can even create what's called a saved response. You create one message one time and you save it. It could be something like response to happy customers or like response to unboxing videos and every time someone does a video and tags you, you, there's like a saved response where you click and you're like, hey, Susan, and then you insert the message. And it's like, thank you so much. We're so grateful for you. Um, or when someone tags you in a post and you don't comment on the post or you don't reshare it. These are things that are hurting you. And you might think, oh, it's no big deal. But I noticed even for my business, and I'm just going to I'm going to say one thing that for my business, I'm not always, <laughs> I'm saying something and I'm like, I don't do a good job with this with my own business, but I think it's different for a product business. I think with a physical product, like people are, are whole, people are spending money and ordering your actual like lip balm or candle or whatever. So I think there was like a different sense of, I don't know, something. So even though I'm going to admit here, I'm not always great with especially with the posts. Like I, I, I try to always respond in DMs as much as I can, but with posts, I sometimes just miss them. But with Dapper Dog Box, I literally, I would go a few times per week and I would go through my last like 20 to 30 posts and just go through the comments. Did I respond to every single one? And I would do my best to respond to every single comment. Every single person who tagged me in a photo of, of my brand I would comment and I would reshare and I would DM them. Thank you so much. Like, we're so grateful for you. Um, like, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's different with like a brand like mine where I have, you know, courses or programs or educational things. But when someone buys like your candle or your picture frame or your water bottle and they're taking the time to take photos and create content for you and then you're not responding, you're not sharing, you're not... Um, just making them feel a little bit special. I feel like that is such a missed opportunity for you. And I see it all the time because I'll, I'll do that to people. I'll comment or I'll take a video of a product and I'll tag them or I'll comment on their posts or whatever. And it's like a lot of time it's just crickets. Like the, I can see that they've seen it and they just don't do anything. And I think it's a really missed opportunity. So I would just say, you know, creating a sense of community, you could choose one social media platform and try to create a sense of community, try to bring people to that site. So if it's Instagram, I would say Instagram is the easiest one, but I think TikTok also works great. I think with TikTok, I, like I'm not a huge TikToker, so I don't know the rules. I think you cannot have, I think you can't 
can you DM? No, you can DM people or you can message people because people have messaged me. I don't know. I don't know the rules on TikTok. I'm sorry. But anyway, choose one platform and that's your community platform. And so you want to create a sense of community as much as you can. And what that means is you want to encourage customers to post pictures, videos of your product when they get it in the mail. You want to start conversations about things that people care about within your industry or your niche, you know, um, just things like that. And that's kind of how you start a community. And again, I that was a huge part of my business for Dapper Dog. I tried to make customers feel so fucking special every single day. And in my, if I mean, the, the business is, has now closed since I've sold it. They ended up selling it and they closed it. I don't know why, but that's irrelevant. But if you if you looked at the reviews for that business, every review, people would know me by name and they would always comment on customer service. Like Carrie cares about her customers. Carrie takes care of her customers, blah, 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 blah. So the customers that I had for that business knew that I cared about them and they felt like they were part of something more. I mean, every month I would have these photo contests for my business and just people would just go crazy with like posting the pictures and, you know, taking pictures of their dog with the box, their dog with their favorite toy, their dog wearing the bandanas. I mean, they got so into it and I loved every second of it. I think some of them were a little bit crazy, but I loved it. I loved having a brand where people were so connected and would like happily share with friends, would happily post about me every single time that customer post a video or a photo of my product or my brand or whatever, I'm now getting in front of their audience. It's all free advertising. And I did that because I created a sense of community. So I think that's a huge one, a huge one, because I think it's like, it kind of comes down to this like deep seated human emotion or desire for belonging, to feel like you're part of something. And I think that's what you have to kind of tap into. I think that's going to be a huge one for the next few years. I see that as a huge thing that like a lot of brands will have to do in the future to kind of stand out. And then the last thing that you can do for the eight ways a small business can critical like brand in 2024, put your customers number one, number one, number one, number one is your customers. Are they having a good experience? Am I listening to them? Like be curious about what your customers want or need or requesting. Um, again, in my book, Customer Obsession, I feel like I'm plugging a lot of my things today and I wasn't planning on that. It's just a natural like plug-in, shameless plug. But in my book, Customer Obsession, that's why my Cultish product program and my book, they're like the two perfect little things that I've created in my business that I'm the most proud of in my current business of the things that I've created. I've, I've, I've created so many fucking courses and so many trainings and freebies and guides and checklists and PDFs. But this concept of like, how are you, how do you get your customers to be obsessed with you? And how do you get your customers to come back again and again and all this kind of stuff? I just love it so much. And I'm just so proud of this conversation. And I hope that you're into this. I hope you can kind of walk away feeling like that you're learning a bunch of things. But I, what I really want you to also do is I want you to be listening here and having like lots of light bulb moments go off in your head. Like, oh shit, I'm not doing that. Oh shit, I'm not doing that. Oh shit, I'm not doing that well. Because guess what? It's okay. It's okay that you're not doing all the things. No one does all the damn things. The point here is that those light bulbs go off and you think, okay, you know what? That's something that I can work on for Q1 of 2024. I'm going to choose two of these things and I'm going to dive deep into those and I'm going to work on those for my business. Because every time you you have that like, oh shit moment, I'm not doing that. Guess what? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to do something that's going to move the needle in your business. So it's all good. But I just wanted to say like, because I just mentioned my book and I'm like, you know, I'm really shamelessly plugging these things today, but I'm really proud of my cultish product program. And I'm obviously really proud of my book and I just love them. I love them. I'm so glad I created them. Okay. The last thing that you can do to create a cult like brand in 2024 is again, listen to your customers. So you should be creating a customer centric business. How are you listening to customers? How are you asking them for feedback? 
when they tell you, you know what, like I got your product in the mail and it did this, but it said it was supposed to do this. And when enough people say that to you, you should be having those light bulb moments that go off and say, oh shoot, like, is there a problem with the product or are we marketing it the wrong way? You know, but listen to your customers. It doesn't mean you have to change everything just because one customer says, oh, I don't like the product, you know, like, oh, your candles don't smell good or whatever. But you should be asking for feedback. You should be asking your customers, what do you like? What do you not like? What could we be doing differently? You know, talk to your customers. And I'm reading this book right now called The Mom Test. It's really, really, really good. I'd recommend definitely grabbing it. I'll add the link to the show notes below. But it's kind of all about how to get feedback from your customers, but how to ask the right questions to get the right kind of feedback. It's very, very eye-opening. And I found I discovered it from a YouTube video because I'm starting this new um, tech company, which I'm not going to share too much about here. But basically, I need to start creating a product market fit. And I need to get people and ask them lots of questions. And I realized, you know what? I don't actually... I need to make sure I'm asking the right questions. Um, and this book was recommended and it's really, really good. So my point here is just be open to your customers and what they're saying about your products. Glossier is a great example of this. Glossier, Glossier is 100% a cult brand. I know they've had some bad um, publicity lately, but they are a disruptor in the beauty space. They were one of the first brands to kind of erupt in this like boring curated beauty space. And they came on the scene and they were like, you know what, we're gonna show real women in our content. We're not gonna show only like celebrities and supermodels like Lancome and all these other dumb brands. We're gonna actually show real people with wrinkles and different skin tones and all this kind of stuff because that's what actually, that's what real beauty is, it's normal people. Not everyone is a fucking supermodel. So anyway, Glossier kind of came on board and just disrupted the scene in the beauty space. And one of the cool things that they did was they listened to their customers from day one. So the customers would actually directly influence what products they created. So it's a really cool thing. I would definitely like learn more about Glossier. I think maybe not so much what they're doing today, but what they did early on was really, really innovative. And they, I guess, were one of the first brands to kind of just feature regular people, which is weird. And I think now it's different. Now there are like so many of these like indie beauty brands and now everyone does the same thing. But back in the day when Glossier started, they were doing a little bit of different things, but they're very open about when they first started the business. One of their secret sauces was like they actually listened to customers. So anyway, these are the eight things that you could be doing to start working towards building that cult-like brand. And when I say cult-like brand, really what that means is having a brand that people are obsessed with, your customers are obsessed with. They want to buy from you over and over again. They want to share about you on social media. They want to tell their friends and family. When it comes to gift giving, you're first of mind. That's a cult-like brand. And any small business should be trying to get there. Because you are not doing this to be a hobby. You're doing this to make money. You're doing this to create impact. And again, if you're including one of the things that I talked about, like the value-based brand where you have like a, you know, something that goes above and beyond the product, like you're already making an impact, you know? So anyway, my friends, I hope you like this. Uh, I hope you like this video. I hope you like this podcast episode um, let me know what you think. If you are into it, if you like talking about cult like brands, I personally love it so much. And one of the things I really like about this topic is that it's, it's different. It's unique. Not everyone talks about this. And I just got so bored of like always doing, talking about marketing. Like I love marketing. Okay. But I get bored talking about the same thing over and over again. And when I started thinking about this concept of a cult-like brand, it just like stuck. It stuck in my brain and I kept thinking about it constantly. I'm like, this is what people need to think about when they are trying to grow an e-commerce business is this whole concept of a cult brand. So again, if you're interested, you can definitely um, join the cultish product, depending on when this episode airs, depending on when you're listening to it, you might have a, we might have openings now, or there's a wait list, but we will be starting our next round in January. And it's going to be 
totally different than the last few rounds. We're going to be adding a couple new modules. We're going to be removing a couple things again, because I listen to my customers. I listen to them. I asked for feedback. I took people's feedback. I had conversations with them and we're making some changes always to improve programs. I always look to improve things, but it's going to be an incredible like revamp of the program. Again, we're including more of the things I talked about today, uh, creating your story, um, how do you create a purposeful mission for your business? And what is your secret sauce? So those are a couple of things that are going to be included in here. And I have some other secrets that I'll be sharing, but definitely uh, check it out. It's an incredible program and I'm a little bit obsessed with it. So kerryfitzgerald.com forward slash cultish. And if you like this episode, send me a DM on Instagram and just let me know. And if you really liked today's episode or any episode and you've not left a review on Apple iTunes, please take a minute and leave a review. It means so much to me to see, uh, of course, five-star reviews, please, um, on there. But also just knowing that you're liking the podcast, it's helping you, and it really helps me to get the podcast pushed out to more people so I can help more people. All right, my friends, I will see you in next week's episode. And I hope you're having a good holiday season. I'll just leave it with that. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple podcast and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Carrie A. Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week.